I love Thanksgiving time. I, I, I think Thanksgiving is my, my favorite holiday. And it's not just because of the food. It's because of what God has done in my heart over the years about Thanksgiving uh, has been nothing short of a mir- miracle for me. Uh, at, uh, somewhere in the middle 70s, I, I, I attended a Christian school, a Christian college called Evangel College. Uh, it was a, out in Springfield, Missouri. A very conservative, Midwestern Christian college. Got to get that picture in your mind because they made the big mistake of ex- accepting the application of a long-haired, loud-mouthed kid to come to their school. So my friend Alan Temple, who many of you know, he got accepted also, and so we took this long drive out to Springfield, Missouri, the state of misery, as we started to call it. So we're driving out there, and it was really weird because almost as soon, and I kid you not, as soon as we drove into the, the parking lot, we drove you know, all night long to get there, we knew we had made a mistake. I don't know what it is. We turned to each other going, wow, this was, this was a big mistake. And it wasn't because we saw anything. There was just a certain conservative conformity vibe that it was giving off. And we just knew that there was going to be issues. And, and sure enough, we were carrying our stuff from the car up to our, to our dorm room. And the RA comes up to me and he doesn't say hello. He doesn't greet me with how are you? Do you need anything? He greets me with this. You're going to have to cut your hair. I told him he needed a new greeting because that one wasn't working for me, you know, because that, you know, that wasn't exactly inviting me in. And that would set the tone for many months of me and the administration bumping heads. You know, we would have many, many moments of bumping heads. So anyway, so this year is going on and it's Thanksgiving time. And I am, you know, Alan and I are looking forward to going home for Thanksgiving when we, we checked our wallets and we discovered that we didn't have any money left to go to pay for gas to get back home and, and his parents or my parents weren't going to send us any more money. Not that my parents ever sent me money, but that's, that's a different story. We had to check with the school to see if it was even possible staying in, in, in our dorms and, and thankfully the, the school agreed that we could, we could stay in our dorms. For, for, that was against policy. Uh, they never let anyone stay there before us, but we were a hard luck case, so they allowed us to stay. Now, you might think, you, because I said that, that that was a really generous Christian move by this school. Okay, you, you, That sounds really big. Okay, Well, they turned off the heat. It, and it was a very cold Missouri November. It was extremely cold. There was snow on the ground already out there. It was miserable, rainy, icy stuff going on, and they turned off the heat. So... Don't think they were that Christian, okay? But I mean, uh, so we're, we're, here you are. You got two young men from New York, you know, alone in these dorms. There's no heat, and the cafeteria is closed. There's no cafeteria. And for Thanksgiving, and what we had to last from, from actually from Wednesday to, to Monday when the school reopened, was we had a loaf of banana bread that my mom sent me. And that's another story altogether. And a box of Sugar Pops cereal. That's what we had. And so Al and I started to ration out this box of cereal and, this, and slicing up this uh, banana bread that my mom had. See, my mom couldn't cook, so she called it banana bread. I'm not sure kind of what bread it was. 
but it, it was some kind of bread. And, and we, we were hungry, so we ate it, okay? And we didn't have milk for the cereal. It was just bowls of dry cereal, okay? So we're, we had our bowls set up and, and how much we were going to eat every day. And we got blankets on, you know, we're just freezing inside the dorm room. And we're, and we're watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And uh, I can remember saying things out loud and, and, and talking to Al saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if all those people that hold the balloons, if somehow they just uh, tripped or something and they all lost control of the balloons and the balloons started flying away and crashing into buildings and the band started to chase after it. You know, I just had a visions of things just chaos developing into chaos because I was so un- I was so ungrateful. I was so grouchy. I was so complaining and griping, you know, because, you know, I like sugar pops, but, you know, after the third or fourth bowl, it, it's, it's kind of old. And like I said, my mom called it banana bread, but I'm not sure what it was. It might have been squirrel in there. I'm not sure. It was, you see, she just didn't know how to cook. God bless her. But this is what we had. And uh, our attitude degraded into, you know, some kind of, you know, just angry, bitter, griping guys. You know, two guys that were mad at each other. And, you know, things are just not looking very good. And it's, and it's still, you know, kind of early in the day. This is, is going to be a long weekend if we're, if we're already like this on Thursday. And, and suddenly there was a knock on the door. Now, we thought we were the only ones on campus. That we were looking outside the window. There was no one walking around. There was no lights on anywhere in the other buildings. And then there's a knock on the door. So we're thinking, all right, maybe the campus police are coming. They said, you know, we're going to kick us out, whatever. So we go to the door, and it's an and it's a older college student that we had uh, met earlier in the semester. And he happened to live off campus in his own apartment. Somehow he heard that there were two guys from New York alone in the dorms, with no Thanksgiving to go to. So he invited us to his. It was a very, his apartment was warm. We were thankful for that. It was, it was great. It was nice to get warm for a little while. And he had a very small little turkey. I don't know. It might have been a quail. I don't know what it was. But it was enough for him. But he was going to share it with us. And, you know, it's just some of the other mashed potatoes and some things like that. A very simple meal, just... It wasn't large portions. There wasn't seconds. There wasn't you know anything like that. There was, but it was better than sugar pops and banana bread. And we and God was starting to speak to my heart. I remember walking back to the dorm after that and feeling kind of guilty. Feeling kind of man. Uh, I I didn't I didn't deserve that, God. You were very kind there. And the, the feelings of guilt passed, and, but I, I remember just days thinking about what, what did you just do for me that I didn't understand before? And it was interesting what God was doing in my heart that has made Thanksgiving the most wonderful holiday season for me because it started to give me a different viewpoint of what Thanksgiving really was because what I discovered is that I was more upset by my discomfort than the fact that I was losing intimacy with God 
that my grumbling had, had distanced myself from God's heart. And I was allowing that moment that, you know, look, we weren't outside. We, we weren't sleeping in the field somewhere. So we, we still had a building. It wasn't that cold in there. We did have some food. Yes, it wasn't the food we wanted. There was many things to be thankful for, but I chose a path of grumbling against God. Willingly went there. And God would still, in his kindness, allowed us to have a Thanksgiving in a warm place and with some really decent food. And God did something to my heart that, that I had never forgotten. And it was that very thing that I was more upset about losing my comfort than how I was losing intimacy, intimacy with God by my grumbling. It really started to change how I saw what a grateful heart really was. So I have a couple of questions for you just to kind of think about as we go forward here. Is there a way to repurpose our heart to consistently beat with gratitude? Is there a way to do that? Is there a way to live a life that's centered on being thankful instead of worshiping my comfort? Is there a way to do this? I believe there is, but we have to pray first. Father, thank you for today. Let us say thank you over and over and over again to you. You are a great God. You are a good Father. You provide overwhelmingly everything generously towards us. First of all, we just thank you for your salvation. For that gift alone, we should be praising you every day. So, But we are grateful now that you are, you are here with us. We don't have to invite you in because you're here. You are always with us. You promise never to leave us. So I thank you for that. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here with me. We want to be great demonstrators of thankfulness this, this morning. But we need you to teach us. We need you to show us areas of our life that we're just not grateful in. We need you to, to expose thoughts and opinions and attitudes. We want to bring these things into the light so that you can heal them and so that you can restore us. And we thank you that we can do that. So I ask this morning, Father, that again that you would empty me of me, that your words, your heart, your attitude, your purposes will be spoken this morning so that we hear only you. And that is something really to be thankful for. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I think to, in order to cultivate, oh, excuse me, a heart of gratitude, we've got to first look at the, at the, at the Messiah's heart. Have you ever wondered what Jesus was thankful for? Did, that, did you ever think about that? Did you? I, I have. I have. To, okay. What was Jesus thankful for? And if you search the scriptures, there aren't a lot of instances where it actually says, and Jesus was thankful for this. There's, there's, but there's a few powerful stories that, that really reveal Jesus' heart and, how he, and the things that he was grateful for. So if we want to be like Jesus, we have to understand the things that Jesus was thankful for, and hopefully that can teach us, encourage us, to have a heart like Jesus Christ. And to see what 
he was grateful for. If you turn to John 11, there's a great, great story there. In John chapter 11 is the story of Lazarus. This is an amazing miracle that Jesus is about to perform. He's going to raise somebody from the dead. This person has not been dead for four minutes or for four hours. He's been dead for four days. This is an amazing miracle. And if, it, if that was the only thing that was in here, that would be a, good lo- a lot of things to praise God about, just to praise God that he has the power to do this. But there's something really beautiful about this story Yes, his love for his dear friend Lazarus. He was a dear friend. His love for Martha and Mary, Lazarus's sisters. You know, he had great love for them. This was a family that he was he was embedded in, and he loved very dearly. And that's a great story too. But there's something in here that starts to point us out to where what Jesus was thankful for. And it's in verse 40, 41 through forty-two. So they took away the stone, because that's what Jesus asked them to do. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around me, that they might believe that you sent me. Jesus is thankful for the relationship that he has with his Father. This is... This is a wonderful scripture. This, is, this speaks so much to me. When he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That word heard in the Greek means someone gives you an audience, but they also understand you. So Jesus says, that you, Father, I thank you that you have given me an audience and you understand me. See, this is just not hearing you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I hear you. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, I hear you. This is... I hear you. I understand what you're talking about. See the difference between those two things. Jesus is saying, I know my Father hears me and he understands me. This is huge. And when he says that, and I know that you have always heard me, that word for always means forever. Not that you have just heard me in the past. Not that you're hearing me now. I know that you will always have an audience ready for me. You will always hear me. You will never not hear me. That you're, you're forever. This is an eternity thing. We can count on the fact that Father God hears us and will always hear us. Okay, am I the only one that's excited about that? Did you hear what I just what I just said? God, the God, the God who, uh, maker of heaven and earth, God who made the universe, who holds the universe in His hands, this marvelous God, this big God, always hears us. Okay, this God who loves us, who is passionate about loving us, who is embedded in our lives, who who has immense resources at His hands that no one can stop, that no one could, can make, do anything other than his will, hears us always. Amen. I'm not trying to get a rise out of you, but I want you to get this. God always hears us. 
always hears us. So those times that you think that he's not listening, you're wrong. But those times that you think he's not answering your prayers, you're, you're wrong. I'm wrong. God is always listening. God is always answering because he's listening. Because he says here that he understands us. I heard you. I understand what you're going through. I know what you're going through. But if we stop right there, that is enough to think about for today. That God always hears us. Always hears us. There isn't a time that he does not hear us. I think there's, a, there's at least three lessons in here that I want to share with you today. And here's lesson number one. Difficult times need decisive thankfulness. Difficult times needs decisive thankfulness. This was a difficult time for Jesus. He loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. He knew what they were going through, but he was also upset about this. And he was also upset about this time of all the unbelief that was surrounding this story, even from Mary and Martha and from the other mourners. It says that Jesus wept here. Our Savior felt something deep and disturbing about this death. This was not an easy moment for him. Which makes this story even more powerful when you think about that. How deeply Jesus felt. But his purposeful and his intentional thankfulness sets a tone here. You notice in this prayer, the thing that Jesus didn't ask for? There's something in this prayer he didn't ask for. Did he ask for Lazarus to, to come back alive in this prayer? Did he ask God to, if it was his will, that Lazarus be raised from the dead? Did he ask God to give him the power and the authority to raise Lazarus from the dead? He didn't ask any of those things. All he did was thank God for hearing him. Jesus is showing a tremendous display of faith here in in his relationship with Father God. He knows that he can command something and it's going to happen. Why? Because his Father always hears him. He knows. He doesn't have to pray that part of the prayer. All he has to do is already thank God for it. Jesus knows what Father's will was at this moment. But his Father's will all the time is to bring life out of death. This is exciting to me that Jesus is purposely, he's decisive. He says, what I'm going to do first is I'm going to thank you. It's beautiful, powerful to be decisive, to be intentional, to be purposeful. Jesus attacked this difficult moment with a deliberate statement of faith in his Father. He would not be swayed by his grief or the unbelief of others. He would give thanks. He gave thanks, and I think we can give thanks too. And you know, when you give thanks, miracles happen. Okay, lesson number two. Your attitude empowers your gratitude. Your attitude empowers your gratitude. 
go to the same chapter. We're going to go to verses 14 to 15. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad. And for your sake, I am glad. That word means to rejoice exceedingly. And for your sake, I am rejoicing that I was not there. So that you might believe. That word believe there means to entrust yourself to someone. So that you might entrust yourself to God. Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am rejoicing because I wasn't there. So that you might entrust yourself to me. Jesus knew that God was bigger than that moment. That his, his outlook was fueled by the bigger picture of what God was going to do. And God was going to do a redemptive, powerful, restoring work that was going to blow, their, blow everything that they thought about God out of the water. He says, what I'm about to do, I'm thankful for because you're going to see God in a new way. It's going to change how you see God. This is what he's saying. Because I want, I want you to believe. I want you to entrust yourself to my Father. So I'm glad that this opportunity has come up. Because I'm going to reveal God to you. And you're going to see him in a whole new way. I believe that's a huge lesson. That, and Jesus' attitude was that he was giving thanks that God was going to give him this opportunity to show what his Father was like. I would find it very hard to say to someone, look, my, my good friend has died, but I'm glad. Because Jesus knew that Lazarus wasn't going to be dead for long. Jesus knew what his mission was, what the miracle was going to be, but he still had a choice of how his emotions were going to be. He chose to rejoice because he saw God's bigger picture in this. And so can we. So can we. Our, our attitude empowers our gratitude. Imagine the level of our thankfulness in our hearts when we realize that the Father is bigger than any circumstance that we face. Okay, lesson three. When you lift your gaze... You have reason to praise. When you lift your gaze, you have reason to praise. In the beginning of verse 41, it says this. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes. First of all, sometimes you, God's going to ask you to remove some things that are blocking your gratefulness. He's going to ask you to, to roll away the debris field, to, get, to clear the debris field. To make room for gratefulness. And so that's what he told them to do. He told them to roll away the stone because it was a symbol of their unbelief. Because what did they say? Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinks. You want us to roll away the stone? The Messiah who has already performed miracle after miracle is standing before you and he tells you to roll away the stone. What do you do? You roll away the stone. Even though they were expressing 
verbiage that, that was indicated of their unbelief. Well, we're going to roll away the stone. This man's been dead for four days. He, he doesn't smell too good. That was their unbelief speaking. There's a dead person in there. Why, why are we going to roll? Why roll away the stone? He's dead. Jesus says, you've got to roll away the stone. If, if, if you want life to come, you've got to clear out the debris field. But when it says that Jesus lifted his eyes, that phrase, lifted his eyes, is a, is a, a really cool phrase. Because it does actually mean to, to pick your head up. But it also means this. It means to, to lift an anchor and sail away. It means to weigh an anchor and sail away. Now, there are things in our life that hold us to a place of ungratefulness. And sometimes you've got to lift them up so that you can sail away from it. This is huge. When we lift our eyes up, we get them off our circumstances. You know, we have said this time and time again. All of us have said this time and again you know, from, the, from the leadership thing. When you lift your eyes off your circumstances, off your situation, and you place them on Jesus, you are a lot freer just in that one moment. Amen. You are a lot freer. It is like you lifted an anchor and you're ready to go wherever Jesus tells you to go, to sail wherever he wants you to go because now you're free from it. Just that one. So when Jesus lifted his eyes, it was a symbolic thing that he was showing people, you know, we're going to look at the Father who is going to make life come from that death place. Because we now we've cleared the debris field. And we lifted the things that have been holding us to one place of death. And it's time to lift our gaze. And we'll have a reason to praise. Why not? Because we see the Father. And when we see the Father, man, we should erupt in praise. Because He's good. And see, and Jesus said, I said these things so that people around me might believe that you sent me. I know this. But I want people around me to see. So when we lift our gaze, when we're going through a difficult time, when we're going through a season of pain and sorrow, of sickness, whatever the, whatever the situation is, but we lift our gaze and we start to praise, people around notice. And they want to know, well, what are you looking at? I'm not looking at the death place anymore. I'm, I'm looking at the altar of life. It's just, it's just huge what God is trying to teach us about being grateful. Our vision changes when we see God the Father. And the view of our circumstances changes, though. We start to see them as something that He can bring life out of. You know, Tim already said this scripture, but this is this is huge. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You know what it doesn't say there? It says, doesn't, it says you know, give thanks for those circumstances. It doesn't say that. It says in those, during, through. And that's, that's as we transition through them, if our eyes are on Him, we can give thanks in all circumstances. Because what we're doing is we're already praising Him. You know, this doesn't mean that we ignore the stuff that we're going through. Of course not. 
But true thankfulness raises ourselves above those things. Because think of the moments when you were lost in praise. You were so concentrated, so in the moment with Jesus. Remember that, how you felt. Did you think that you were still a prisoner? Did you think you were still captive during those moments? Or did you find yourself feeling free? See, this is the power of thankfulness. It takes us out of the dead place and brings us in the place that's alive because we're looking at Father God, not the things that we're walking through. It doesn't mean we ignore them. They're real. Life is real. <laughs> Life is very real. And thankfulness is supposed to be a way of life for us. To be like Jesus is to live a life of thankfulness. So how do we make this real? I just have some simple things to suggest to you. Some homework things. Ways to express your thankfulness to God. And, you know, when we express thanks to each other, appreciating the things and the giftings of each other, we are also praising God because He's the one that gave us all these things. When we give of ourselves, we are being grateful to God. You see, if I, if I had stepped out of my, that, that dorm room that day and maybe brought whatever food I had to someone who was really hungry, I would be expressing thankfulness to my God because I'm sharing out of the blessings that He gave me. So I just got some simple things. Sometimes it, it, it is helpful to make a list of your blessings. Just take out a pad of paper and just start writing the things that God has blessed you with. Things that you're thankful for. You know what? I am thankful for my wife. I, there isn't a woman on the planet that I think is more holy than my wife. <laughs> there there is so much joy that she brings me. There's so much peace that she brings me. I am, I am a mess when she's not here. You know, you know, I'm just I'm I don't know what to do with myself. You know, I miss her. But I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for for, for the daughter of uh, of God that she is, for the way that she is a good mom and a good friend and all these things. So I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for marriage. I'm thankful for being married to her. I am thankful for being your pastor, for being able to serve you in this way. I am grateful for so many things. So I start to make this list of all the things. I am thankful for the Mets, even though they stink. I mean, I mean, those, they, they, I mean the, all these things, you know, because I love baseball. I mean, I'm just grateful for them. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful just for friendship, the general idea of friendship and, and the beauty of it. So make a list. You, I think you'll be surprised how many things that, you're, that, you, that you are thankful for that you should just thank God for them. You know, read the list. However long it is, then take a moment to pray that list. Say, Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for this. You know, and go on until you're done. I mean, imagine as you're praying, you'll probably add to the list. Because other things will come to mind. It's a good exercise. Uh, I keep a journal. I write 
in my journal, and, and if you want to call it a, a man diary, you can. I won't be offended. But it's a journal, and I just I map my walk with Jesus in it. And then when I go back to read some of my old journals, like when I was in my 20s, because that's how, when I started, um, I'm amazed how faithful God has been since then. I see the things that I was walking through, struggling with, dealing with, and then I say, wow, you did this work. Wow. So journaling is a good way to just to keep history of being grateful. Okay? Uh, I know that my daughter does this. Sarah does this. Uh, she keeps a jar. And whenever something that happens that blesses her, uh, she writes it on a little script of, uh, piece of paper and she puts it in the jar. And then after so many months or so many weeks or however time, she pulls them out and reads them to herself to, to remind her how faithful God, how good God is. And again, she gives thanks for those things. Those are just some simple things that you can do to do those kind of things. Uh, here's some other things. Uh, tell someone face-to-face how much they mean to you. Someone, just go up to someone and say, you know, hopefully not a random person because that would be scary. But go up to someone that you know, that you have a relationship with, and just tell them how much they mean to you. First of all, what that's going to do, that's going to help them feel grateful. See, we do these things because we want people around us to notice. Not notice us. Notice the God who we're grateful for. To do that. And here's something that a lot of you do, I know, because I get them. Uh, uh, just write a thank, thank you note to someone. A handwritten one, not an email. You know, not a Facebook post. Those are nice too but an actual handwritten note to someone with a stamp on a letter, getting it in the snail mail, sometimes can really speak to them. It's a good way. Call someone that you know is going through a, a difficult time and just let them talk. Don't give them advice. Just let them talk. And then if, if they want advice, yeah, surely offer it if you got some. But just listen. You know, that, you know, the whole idea that God always hears us, that he holds an audience for us, and he understands. If we can extend that gift to someone, wow. How much like the Father's heart can we uh, can display? That's not mine, right? Here's a big one. You want to show true gratefulness to God? The absolutely best way, I think, is this. Forgive someone that's hurt you. Father God has forgiven us much and continuously extends His his forgiveness towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Take that big, bold step of forgiving someone. 